was an idea. The Avengers Initiative. I'm gonna do this all day. I'm a superhero. I've come to bargain. I love you, please, Hansen. That's my secret, Cat. I'm always angry. You should have gone for the head. And I... Wakanda forever! Why is Gamora? Iron Man. We are... Welcome to a brand new episode of Den of Geek Presents Marvel Standom, where we try to give you the deepest possible dives on all the goings-on in the MCU, Marvel Comics, and beyond. I'm your host, Den of Geek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard, and joining me today are Den of Geek TV Editor Alec Bajalad and Den of Geek Contributor and Terrific Pop Culture Writer Dr. Mr. Joe George. This episode of Marvel Standom is powered by eBay. We'll be talking more about that soon. But first, we're going to be chatting about the recently released version of Marvel's special presentation, Werewolf by Night, now in color. Alec, Joe, I think we all enjoyed the black and white version of Werewolf by Night this time last year. Uh, what did you think about this color version? I liked it. I don't know how necessary this was to re-release it in color, but I will say, like, it's nice to see Marvel still care and invest in something a year after its release. So many of the the, the Marvel efforts recently feel fairly, um, what's the word? Temporary. Bad? Yeah, bad. <laughs> bad, but temporary. Like, you know, they, they, it just they're just churning these things out at this point with it's seemingly little care. It's nice to actually have them, like, revisit something. Like, I don't know if it was necessary to create a colored version of um, Werewolf by Night. It looks fine. It's an interesting update. But I just kind of admire the TLC put into it more than anything else. I'm just glad to see that they still remember these things exist, even, like, a year after they're out. And it was nice just to revisit Werewolf by Night, which remains pretty great. I still think it's excellent. Yeah, it is still excellent. I don't think the color version's better. Um, I think it's it's slightly. It, it, I'm never going to go back to the color version. It's it's going to be the black and white version from here on out, which kind of bums me to say, um, because color is a real issue in superhero movies and and and, and live action adaptations in general, and especially Marvel. It's one of the things that really bums me out as somebody who loves the comics too, that they're going from this colorful, uh, visually striking medium. And so often it gets translated into concrete goop, you know? Um, and so I, I appreciate the fact that they're going in and paying attention to color. And I think the first third looks really great, but as soon as they get outside into the labyrinth and the lights go down a little bit more, it, it becomes really goopy. And, not only am I a, a comic book fan, but I'm also a horror fan, which means I have strong feelings about what blood looks like on screen. And the blood looked terrible. I don't I I, I wish that I, I'm saying too much, but we could if you care, we could talk more about this later. But I wish in the same way that the black and white version felt like it was pulling from universal horror of the 30s and 40s. I wish that the colorized version kind of had a little bit more maybe of like early hammer movies, you know, that sort of technicolor, like the blood would look like almost pink and how bright it is, you know, 
I, I wish it had the coloring had a little bit more character to it. It it felt it just it felt a little bit haphazard and and unnecessary. I'm probably going to be the outlier again because I really enjoyed the black and white version of Werewolf by Night. I really really liked it. And when they said they were putting out a color version, I was like, well, that defeats the object. Like it was really good. Why would we need the color version? I mean, I'm sure that's nice for people who just don't want to watch anything in black and white, maybe. Or, um, But why do this? And what happened was that I, I think I was more involved in the story uh, because the black and white was maybe a layer of gimmickry that I hadn't really accepted when I was watching it the first time. So I was more involved in this in the story watching it in color and except for one moment uh which we'll get to later but um i think that's what it was like maybe the the colors didn't look like you said joe as great like as good as they could they were saturated but perhaps they didn't look as as um as cool as they could have but what the visuals did remind me of is the the blade movies I think that's what it was when I was watching this. I was like, I could be watching some kind of Blade spin-off right now. And, you know, it, feel, it felt like it was part of that universe uh, visually in some way that I can't quite explain. Um, but do you do either of you? Well, Alec, I'm not sure if you've seen the Blade movies. No. Joe, do you, do you, do you know what I mean by that? Or No, you're talking no. crazy talk. <laughs> I mean, maybe it looks like Blade Trinity without all of that annoying Ryan Reynolds <laughs> no. jokes. But no, I mean, Blade, the first Blade opens with blood pouring from the ceiling. And there's nothing, there's nothing, I, I feel so bad. I really like Werewolf by Night. I think it's incredibly well directed. I, I, I think the pacing is great. I'm, I, I don't mean to dog on it. I think it's amazing. But if we're going to talk specifically about the color, there's nothing color-wise that's on the level of the first Blade movie, which Stephen Norrington's not the greatest director in the world, but he directs the heck out of that movie. And certainly nothing like, there's no use of contrast in the color version in the same way there is in even Blade 2. You know, the 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 fight that you get, it, it looks goofy because of the CG, but the fight that happens behind the big, set of lights in blade two you know that's an excellent use of contrast or the scene where blade falls into the the, the pit of blood after um ron perlman shoots him and then you know he gets up and it's all dripping down like they're using the color so well in those scenes and again it's gamma del toro directing that the second one so of course it's going to look amazing even if blade two is still slightly better um but i I can't I can't go with you there. No, I, I feel like it's it's too. <laughs> I, I do. I, I do agree that I don't think, you know, they made this with the emphasis on the color. You know, they did the best they could, perhaps with um, putting out the color version. Um, but I, I don't know. There was something I, I do think the uh, the contrast and the, the saturation and stuff worked pretty well. Um, the darks were really dark. I noticed they were really black. You know, and that, that there was an attention to detail there that I enjoyed. And I did think like if this if there was a modern blade, perhaps the more generic scenes would look like this. You know, not the set pieces, not the visual stuff that you would do for a colorized version of um one of these monster movies. But but if the more talky stuff, perhaps 
perhaps it would fit into that world okay but that's okay no one has to agree with me that's fine um one a year on from watching this because we we already did like it I know Joe you had a few problems with it but um a year on from Werewolf by Night watching it again is it as good has it improved in the the years since we've seen it do you think I think it's as good, which is kind of like a minor miracle for me, because with few exceptions, like the the classics, like Thor Ragnarok, Winter Soldier, the original Iron Man, I'm not really, I don't usually enjoy rewatching Marvel content. Like, and maybe I'm just not much of a rewatcher to begin with. Like, I kind of just like, once is usually enough (laughs) for most things. Um, so I would not have rewatched this at all if if it hadn't come out in color and we weren't going to talk about it. Um, but I was like pleasantly surprised by how well it holds up. Really helps that it's you know, under fifty minutes still. <laughs> like it's just like really good economy and storytelling. There's very little fat on it whatsoever, and it remains eminently watchable. Uh, Mike used to say that like you know he was going to rewatch this every Halloween, which sounded so foreign to me. I'm like yeah, all right, like. There's like the shining out there, like you know. <laughs> um, but like you know, having watched it the second time, I think that's probably valid. Like I can see with this watching at least a couple Halloweens in a row. I wouldn't be upset with that. I'm I'm thinking about this as as we're talking because I did find it really held up, and I there were parts of the story that I was more drawn into. Um, and I don't know if that's because this is my first time rewatching it to specifically talk on you know, go on camera and talk about it. And therefore I'm paying a little bit more attention. Maybe it is the color, but yeah, it it holds up really well. And there's just little things like, like the bit where um, Jack starts uh, sniffing Elsa. So he remembers her scent the first time. And and most of the times I'd watched that I had watched it as a joke. You know, this is a really funny gag, especially when she says, does this work? And then he says uh, once, um, but the second time, it's it's really sad when he says once. And while he's doing it, it's really sad. You know, there's – and this might be because I, I, I watch a ton of horror movies, especially in October. I've been watching the old Universal Wolfman and Lon Chaney Jr. sucks as Talbot. <laughs> um, he's just a big buffoon. Uh, and he cannot sell the, the sadness of the Wolfman story. And Gail Garcia Bernal, I mean, it's not a hot take to say that he's an excellent actor, but he's so good at being incredibly charming and funny, but also he's really sad in that scene where he's about to turn and he's going to possibly kill this person that he recognizes as a decent person. Um, There's all sorts of stuff with that. There's there's extra weight with a lot of Laura Donnelly's deliveries, which, again, I thought she was excellent the first time around, but excellent in that sort of edgy sardonic edgy is not the right word but sardonic sort of way um but again uh, here she had a little bit more weight um even in those first couple of scenes where she's entering and they're all giving her a hard time there there's a a, a palpable palpable uh <laughs> sadness to kind of this everybody admires her father and she knows what a terrible person that is, he is and how that's still her father and she's kind of sad that she's drawn back into the family it's it's rich in a way that in the performances in a way that some marvel things aren't and i don't know if i'm noticing that more because of the color you might be right on that point yeah i do think that there was 
as much as I really like that black and white one, I felt like when they brought the color into it, there was a, a warmth. And like you said, Joe, there's a, there was a, a layer of richness to the story that perhaps I hadn't felt before. So I, I wasn't expecting to come away from this saying, thinking, you know, if I had to watch this again, I'd choose the color version. Like I, I wouldn't have thought that in a million years because I, I thought the black and white version was so good. But I ended up feeling that way. I mean, outside of that, the score is still absolutely impeccable. Like in both versions, it works. And that's because Chikino is a master of the craft, right? Um, but it's also, it, it, even the color version and in the black and white, when you can tell it's been lit and staged so well, the shots have been chosen very specifically. There's only one moment in Werewolf by Night, the color version, that didn't quite work for me. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But first, let's hear from our sponsor, eBay. eBay is the premier destination for collecting comics, both old and new. Whether it's that highly sought after iconic comic or an obscure niche that speaks directly to you, odds are you'll certainly find it on eBay. Here's a list of comics that are must-haves for any fan of Jack Russell, Man-Thing, Elsa Bloodstone, or any Marvel horror tale. Marvel Spotlight 2 Most people associate Marvel Comics with superheroes, but before hitting it big with Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko were in the Monster Comic game. That's the case with the anthology series Marvel Spotlight, which used its second issue to introduce Jack Russell, a scion of a powerful European family cursed with lycanthropy. The creative team doesn't go as hard into horror as some might want, making Russell a tragic figure who unleashes his fur and claws on evildoers more than the innocent. But anyone on the fence about Russell will be won over by the story's closing narration. What could revenge matter? What could it ever matter? To a boy, now a man, now a wolf. Tomb of Dracula 18 Like the universal monsters that inspired them, it would only be a matter of time before Marvel's Werewolf by Night and Count Dracula crossed paths. The Marv Wolfman penned Tomb of Dracula series embraced the gothic romance its central character invites, but that didn't prevent it from indulging in good old monster mashes. That's exactly what happened when Jack Russell's search for a cure brought him to Castle Dracula in Transylvania. Thanks to this classic horror-influenced approach, it's easy to draw a straight line from Tomb of Dracula 18 to Michael Giacchino's Universal-inspired direction to the Werewolf by Night special presentation. Legion of Monsters 1 in the opening pages of 2011's Legion of Monsters 1, a murderous beast stalks down a suburban street, heading to the house where a young, oblivious woman dances in her living room alone. But when the beast bursts into her house, the woman doesn't run or shriek. Instead, she looks up at the monster and asks derisively, Am I meant to scream? With that scene, writer Dennis Hopeless perfectly introduces readers to Elsa Bloodstone, the wry monster hunter who leads the Legion of Monsters. In addition to Elsa, Legion of Monsters brings together Jack Russell and some of Marvel's finest fiends, including Canan II the Living Mummy, Manphibian, and of course Morbius the Living Vampire. Is Legion of Monsters better than Morbius's big screen debut? I don't want to spoil things for you, but yeah, yeah it is. Man-Thing 5 For non-comic book readers, Man-Thing Ted was the breakout character of Werewolf by Night, an affable, hulking creature made all the more lovable by sharing scenes with the charming Gael Garcia Banal. 
Man-Thing has a long history in the comics, one that involves far more tragedy than the buddy comedy we saw in the special presentation. That complicated approach is on full display in 1974's Man-Thing 5, written by the late, great Steve Gerber. The story finds a depressed former clown coming to Man-Thing's swamp, hoping to spend his last moments in solitude. What follows is a complicated and compassionate tale, an example of the range of stories that comic books can tell, even with a living hunk of mulch at the centre. Death of Doctor Strange, Bloodstone 1 Elsa Bloodstone has been around since the early 2000s, but she's only now getting a real push thanks to the Werewolf by Night special and the popularity of Marvel Snap. That push also includes a one-shot as part of last year's Death of Doctor Strange event. Despite the top billing for the Sorcerer Supreme, the story belongs to Elsa and her twisted family of monster hunters. It explores the complicated legacy of Elsa's family, including her brutish father Ulysses and her duplicitous brother Cullen, while also introducing her eldest sister Lyra. The story reveals Elsa to be more than the snarky killer who blows away any creature who stands in her way. It highlights her vulnerability, making her a much richer monster hunter. Start or expand your Marvel Horror Collection today at ebay.com. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. So the moment that doesn't quite work for me in the color version is probably the moment that doesn't work for anyone over the black and white version. And that is the last shot of Elsa where she's holding the bloodstone. And in the black and white version, she suddenly... Um, painted with color almost and that sort of rolls over her and it reveals and you have the somewhere over the rainbow you have the connection to the wizard of oz and all that stuff and it just works going from black and white to color in that moment in the color version obviously she's in color and she continues to stay in color as somewhere over the rainbow plays um did you did you find that moment in any way suffered or was it just me I had forgotten all about it. I didn't know that oh. I was missing anything. <laughs> okay. So, now so how did it feel then if you weren't expecting anything there? Did it just I felt like appropriately cathartic. Like I mean, like I wasn't like it, it didn't stick out to me as uh, something weird. It just felt like, oh, this is what you do when you end the movie. Like she's happy, so we're gonna play the song and then Ted and, and Jack are gonna get sushi. For me, um I my big problem with the the special in general is the ted and jack talking about sushi i i felt that they didn't need that that they stumbled it, it became too marvel quippy in a way that it hadn't really been up until that point so i, I never loved that very ending i was kind of hoping that it would go from color to black and white um that that's what i was expecting because i thought it would be like this you know on the one hand elsa's got her got the stone and and she thinks she's done with the family but on the other hand especially those of us that know her from the comics she's stuck back in this legacy <laughs> and i thought that that the going to black and white would be a nice switch that you know she got what she wanted but now she's all the way back in the family and it, it's it's she's got to deal with all of that um so i went into it watching that scene expecting it to do this and then being a little bit like oh oh and now we're going to the quips between man thing and and werewolf and eh. so i was a little let down on that level see I, I don't mind the you know the quick transition to the quips with uh ted and but 
I feel you, Joe. Like I, that is such a great final shot of Elsa, and we we have already kind of summed up that the well by night and sorry Jack Russell and Ted have like disappeared into the uh, the dawn or whatever. We don't really need to catch up with them, um, but it is just kind of I guess a fun way to end it. But I I do prefer the more dramatic way uh, of Elsa getting the bloodstone, sort of contemplating the future. Speaking of the future. Uh, since this came out a year ago, no Werewolf by Night news, no Elsa Bloodstone news. Uh, Blade has been shoved back on the Marvel release calendar quite a few times now. Um, do we think we're getting any more of this now that Marvel is supposed to be paring down their uh, plans for future products? Or, uh, or is this just like, this is it and that's fine. It's okay if we don't get any more of this. I mean, of course, it is okay that it, it it would be something special if this is all that we got of these characters and it was perfect for the most part. You know, um, they haven't had a chance to make us hate them. Um, and I do think it's good that Marvel is paring down uh, from a quality level. I mean, I I'm a glutton for this stuff, so I'll take as much as they give me, even if I'm complaining about it. But I understand they they've got limited resources and they you know they can't throw every goofy character at the screen that said i hope that while they're they're trimming things down they're going with the good stuff and werewolf by night these characters these performances giacchino's uh direction all of that's excellent and so maybe let's run with that instead of I don't know who to throw under the bus here, but instead of <laughs> other, <laughs> some of the more lackluster creators that they've, I'll say Michael Waldron, instead of giving Michael Waldron another gig, uh, <laughs> that one's for you. Um, sure. Instead of giving him another gig, maybe, maybe let's, uh, I mean, I'm sure Giacchino is in demand with everything, but maybe let's see more of him. Maybe instead of doing, I liked Moon Knight more than most, but maybe instead of doing Moon Knight season two, bring Moon Knight in with, uh elsa and uh, uh werewolf that they, they, they have connections in the comics maybe condense would be more of the way it goes but i i do hope we get them again i think uh bernal and donnelly were just excellent embodying those characters and and i want to see more do you care if you see any more wealth by night alec i just first just agree with basically everything joe said because i don't i don't care like i, I Frank, I don't care about any of this silly nonsense anymore. <laughs> I'm at my wits end. Um, so I, I I would probably rather not see another Werewolf by Night special um, just because this one's good. And like, I don't think we need to to test limits of that. But having said that, Joe's right. Like Gael Garcia Bernal and, and Laura Donnelly are really good. And it like, really really engaging actors who are really really engaging in both these roles and then for a studio that is kind of invested in taking advantage of act good actors who are good in their roles um it does seem a little silly to not roll them back again so like i don't think we need another one we probably won't get another one but I, I, it would be a little bit of a shame if we don't get to see uh, Bernal and, and Donnelly in these roles again in some capacity or another. Well, as this uh, color version has been coming out, Michael Chihino has been doing a few interviews. Um, he's been speaking about the future of World by Night. He doesn't know. 
anything. He says that uh, he and Kevin are friends and so they talk all the time, but there's, as far as he knows, um, you know, it's up in the air. Um, and for, as for the color version of Werewolf by Night, he said that it was always planned as a thing that they were going to do, but after they finished the black and white version and then they went back um, to see if they uh, they were going to go back and see if they could make one um, and what it, were interested in what it would look like. Um, but what happened was that they were tinkering with it, seeing what it might look like, and they ended up completing it uh, before the black and white version came out. So it was always planned to come out um, later down the line. Um, and I think that is is worth a watch if you're planning to watch Werewolf by Night again. Um, check out the color version. Um, if you're not planning to watch Werewolf by Night again, you're probably you're probably fine skipping it. Um, I don't know whether you guys would agree with that, but it's it's the story that matters. And if you cared about that story the first time and you want to experience it again, give the color version a go and see what you think. More holiday. We need the the Guardians holiday was great. Um, this is great. Let's it, it, even if they're not going to go back to these particular char- particular characters, you know. And and the the Blade movie is turning out to be kind of a debacle. It kind of sounds like so. Maybe give us thirty minutes of Blade. You know, you got Mahershala Ali, you got Blade, a a recognizable character. Make that the next Halloween special or any of them. I mean. Marvel and monsters go hand in hand. So how hard is it to make a Halloween special each year or to get other specials, another Christmas special, another actually do a proper holiday special that actually has other holidays that aren't Christmas. So my Jewish friends aren't bummed out by that bait and switch that happened to them. Um, Anything like that would be great. That's it for this episode of Marvel Standom. Make sure you're subscribing to us wherever you're watching or listening right now. Don't forget to check out our web home of denofgeek.com where you can find all our Marvel coverage. You can also follow us at denofgeek on Twitter and denofgeek on Instagram. If you need more, all episodes of Marvel Standom are available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks once again to the sponsor of this episode, eBay. Be sure to check them out for all your Marvel-related collectibles. This has been Marvel Standom on the Den of Geek Network. Until next time, please be good to each other and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Marvel Standom, produced by Andrew Halley, Kirsten Howard, and Joe George. Hosted by Kirsten Howard. Editing and graphics by Andrew Halley. Social media coordinator, Lee Parham. Additional artwork by Chloe Lewis. Production assistant, Michael R. Music licensed from Soundstripe.com. Marvel Standom is a production of the Den of Geek Network. For more information, visit denofgeek.com.